0: You're listening to Bethany Radio. Our content is available on iTunes or online at com. We're going to look again to the book of Joshua. Somebody asked me today, Malachi, are we getting to the wall, right? Are we getting to Jericho? Malachi, we're finally getting there, and I said, well, we'll be there for a couple of weeks. And I I think there was a little look of, really? That long? <laughs> so it just takes me a while. You used to work with me. It takes me a while to work through the verses and and different things, and so I like to take things chunk by chunk, and that's that's where we're at. So we praise the Lord for how he works through all of us, and so we're going to be in Joshua uh, 6 today. We'll look at verses 1 through 14 in particular, and then the next couple of weeks, probably at least next week, and uh, I think a week beyond that, just to look at this this story. Kind of a paradigm, I think, for the other, and I'll mention that, but some of the other victories that are going on in this. I do have a picture. Do I in there, Caleb? Right? There it is. This is from Lincoln. I'm not here today. Lincoln's got the, the words with us, and uh, it's pretty interesting from last week where we were. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, <clears throat> one person saying to him, I worship you. You're not powerful. I think it's the commander saying you're not powerful. Uh, and then they had this conversation in the top right. Um, oh, okay. The question is, are you for us or for them? the answer no he caught onto that no i am the commander of the lord's army and then abraham lincoln arrives and this is so cool so uh, he caught that i had one quote from lincoln and he put the top hat on him and that's got to be who it is so lincoln saying i don't care if god's on our side my concern is if i am on god's side i love it he got it uh, cuz he's asked the question is god on our side so appreciate Appreciate that. So all right, let's look at God's word and hear his word to us. Be listening for repetition today through this. Be listening for who God is through this, who mankind's response to him as we read his word. So starting in Joshua 6 1. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See. I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once. And they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord walked on and they blew the trumpets continually and the armed men were walking before them and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually and the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp so they did for six days let me pray again for us Lord, again, we have our, the Word of God open before us, and that in itself is a gift of You to hear this account and all the other accounts of Your Word. We thank You that it's trustworthy, that You have preserved it through the years, that it is Your inspired Word. When we read of Scripture, no matter Old or New Testament, we are reading Your words, and those words point us to the Word of life, Jesus And so I pray today, Lord Jesus, be lifted high, be exalted, even when we're looking at walls of a place called Jericho. Lord, just do a work in our hearts. Encourage us in our faith. Encourage us in our walk with you. And we just just pray your Holy Spirit to reveal the truths of your Scripture and the other places where we'll go today, that you would impact us, me, your people, to live lives for Your glory, to glory in You alone, and we ask this in Your name, Amen. Well, we uh, we come to this passage today, and we're not really here as as studyers of war. You know how to conduct a better military campaign. We're not here to study the movements of people or a warlike stance or strategic planning necessarily though we're going to we're going to see certain things in Joshua of this warlike and how to make strategy um what we want to do is be on the lookout here for God and his work in human history for he is at work in history it's his story right as we commonly say that about history and so what is unique in this instance uh in Jericho what's unique about this portion so like i said uh, we 're probably going to be in this passage, Chapter Six. You might want to read the whole thing uh, for the next couple of weeks, kind of leading up to Easter. The overall title in your bulletin says for these this kind of this mini part of a sermon, Shout for the Lord gives the victory, but before they 're shouting, as you heard read today, there is quiet and there is silence and so there 's a sort of stillness here in what we 're reading a stillness in the presence of the Lord while waiting on his perfect timing for that day when Joshua was going to say, shout. So the first part, really, of chapter 6, uh, we're just tracking the movement of God, the movement of his people, up to that seventh day when they go seven times and, boom, the walls go down. And so we'll look at a little more of that next week. For this week, these, this coming up to it. So as we go, we just want to make some observations of the text, do what hopefully we do as we study it on our own even, observe what's going on, try to understand what's the message. You heard me trumpets over and over and over again. thought about having Caleb bring your trumpet today, and we didn't, unless you have it in your pocket. I don't, okay. So uh, uh, this idea, some observations, we want to understand some of these things, and then hopefully make some application as well. So. That said, we look at verse 1, really the setting of Jericho as we look at the city and and then we're going to look at God's commands to Joshua. So verse 1 just, again, gives us kind of that setting picture, that beginning picture. Jericho is shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. Nobody's going out and none came in. That's the point of verse 1, I think, to strongly show Jericho was shut tight by the people of Israel, which would then allow what? it would allow them to march around. There's no worry about them coming out. It's, it's tight, and they can march rather than fighting on the outskirts of the city. The city is basically walled up. There would not be a battle on the plains of Jericho. And so they're hunkered down. I think of a turtle with its shell, you know, that walks with its legs out. And this is like a turtle that went, and they're all inside. And maybe even surrounding peoples have fled and said, at least we're going to Jericho where there's walls. And again, next week we'll look more at some of the walls and, and see some of that. So Jericho's kind of in this defensive posture. And as we'll see, this allowed a march here, a march to take place. Rather than Israel building seed work, uh, siege works or going up against the wall trying to you know break it down or do any of this, Israel just simply going to march around once a day for the next six days. God has something in mind rather than a, them just directly taking this city. So look at verse 2. This, I think, is an important truth of the passage. The Lord said to Joshua, See, is that word look, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. The Hebrew word here is the word to give. I have given And we're not in Hebrew class, but you might remember the word no from let low, and we're not getting into that this week. But this word in particular I have given, um, one resource says this, probably best understood as a perfect of certitude indicating the certainty of the action. That is, this verb, if you looked it up, it would be labeled a perfect verb, which means that it's as if it's already completed. I think we've talked about that before in here. So, when, it, when God says, I have given Jericho, it's like he's saying, it's already done. In God's mind, this is complete. It's a complete action. He's not, I might give, it might happen, if you guys walk the right way. If you, it's just, I've given it. It's yours. I have done this. There's a, a certainty to it. And it's not by Israel's might, nor their righteousness, or skill, or any other thing. It's God, it's His gift to them. we see it again. we'll see it in verse sixteen as we get into the chapter more, kind of this whole narrative. This is a gift of God, He's doing the giving of the city. if He does not give the city, they do not get the city. That makes sense. If God doesn't give it, Israel does not get this city. So that being said, verses three through five, then give the instruction of the Lord for what israel is to do so israel does they are doing things they're not sitting there there is some action and so verses three through five really how are they going to participate in this certain victory but even their participation as hopefully we'll understand a bit more again even them participating seeks not to put the emphasis on israel but on god so let's look at that i'll just read them all out three through five you shall march around the city all the men of war going around the city once. So these are some of the orders, okay? So do this for six days. Then verse 4. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. The wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up. Everyone straight before him. Here we're going to look at, and I think it's important just to look at some of the terms of what is going on in in these verses here. Uh, Some of the terms you're hearing a lot. The ark. You're hearing um, seven. A lot of sevens in this. And trumpets over and over. Trumpets we hear. How the wall fell down. And how all that works, something we'll look at later. I think it's—I think there's some interesting help archaeologically on how all this took place, but you're just going to have to wait or you can look it up online as you go through this week. Be discerning of where you look, but, but uh, you can look that up in pictures and, and you can Google Earth and fly in and see images and all these sorts of things. But for now, we're just focusing on some of these elements as they march around, these three in specific, the Ark of the Covenant, this, all the sevens, why are those listed, and then the the trumpets let 's take a look at some of these. the ark first, the ark we're we 're used to it takes us back to the crossing of the the Jordan River as the ark went w- was in the river, and the river stopped for them to all cross over, really, when the people of Israel moved, they were moving because the ark was moving. We talked about the Ark being that symbolic presence of God with the people. So when it's the Ark of the Covenant, you're thinking this is God with them. So in chapter 3, we talked about the Ark representing the presence of God with his covenant people with the Ark of the Covenant. So where the Ark went, we got this, right? The God went. God had taken a people, called them out of Egypt, made a covenant with them, a promise to be their God they're going to be his people. So again when we read of the ark going before the people, I think we should be thinking of God going with the people. It's kind of this this physical symbolic presence of God with his people. It'd be one thing then for the people to march around Jericho with the ark, kind of show off their God, you know, here however they carried it, you know. Here's our God, go around once and then okay, we all right, we kind of intimidate him, set the ark down, let's, let's all grab our swords and let's go now. Now we're going to go do it. But that's not what happens. These verses of command of God has Israel now marching with seven priests, seven trumpets, seven days, seven times around the city on the final day, the seventh day. So next question, what is going on with the seven? Why listed so often? I'm going to read a rather extended quote from a guy named Joel Drinkard. And uh, not drunkard, Joel Drinkard is his name. And he explains this, and maybe it's helpful because it's listed quite a few places. And I appreciate how he kind of brings them together a little bit to help us. Here's what he says. Seven came to symbolize completeness and perfection. God's work of creation was both complete and perfect, and it was completed in seven days. All of mankind's existence was related to God's creative activity. The seven-day week reflected God's first creative activity. The Sabbath was that day of rest following the work week reflective of God's rest. Israelites were to remember the land also and give it a Sabbath, permitting it to lie fallow, follow in the seventh year seven was also important in cultic matters beyond the Sabbath major festivals such as Passover and tabernacles lasted seven days as did wedding festivals a major Hebrew word uh, it goes on to say in another place a major Hebrew word for making an oath or swearing I think it's pronounced Shavah was closely related to the word seven Okay, so the original meaning of swear an oath may have been to declare seven times or to bind oneself by seven things. See, this idea, this seven, this number of completeness or perfection. It kind of did bring to mind, um, I found it Genesis 15, God tells Abraham, eventually tells Abraham, your offspring, says while he was in the land of what we think of Israel, where they're going now, his offering offspring is going to return to this land, the land of Canaan. And God says it this way: Here's how they're going to return. Um, he says, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So I think when we think of seven and seven going on around this, there's a maybe a couple aspects here of seven to be thinking of as they go around again. I think 7 can indicate the presence of God Himself, His perfection, His rule alongside the ark. There's this completeness, perfection to God. But I think also then the completing of the time with which this nation will be destroyed. Does that make sense? So there's this completion idea, and here it is. They are now going around Jericho, and they're going to destroy it. Now it's not because of the righteousness of Israel, but because of the wickedness and so the completion is, t- there's this seven, you know, and there's this completeness. The destruction's coming. It's maybe a less positive way we like to look at this, but we think of destruction as coming to Jericho for sin, for their wickedness. That's what Deuteronomy 9, we've gone there, I think, for the last couple of weeks, and I'm going there again. Uh, it's Deuteronomy 9, 5, and Moses says this to Israel. I'll just read it for you. If you want to look it up, you can. Deuteronomy 9, five says, this is Moses speaking to Israel. You've heard this before again from me up here. Not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart are you going in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out from before you, and that he may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham to Isaac, and to Jacob. So judgment is coming to Jericho. And it's a judgment on sin. So this seven, I think there's a, a tie into this completeness that's going on. And the trumpets as well, which is our third one. So talk about the ark, seven wise, seven things, the number of completeness, perfection, maybe look at it couple different aspects of god being being in this march the presence of lord as they march around jericho and then this idea of the trumpets over and over the trumpets the the shofar if you're familiar with that name the shofar so when we think trumpet here uh we don't think of the brass trumpet that's what i tend to think of maybe you do too think of ram's horns because you think of, and I think they did make some, there's two in Numbers talks about the silver trumpets, but ram's horn, where do they get a ram's horn? They got them all over the place. They're, they're with them, right? They're part of uh, belief sacrifices, right? So they've got horns. So all these, so when you hear trumpet, think of shofar, ram's horns, whatever they look like, uh, again, you can go online and listen. You can listen to what, what it sounded like. I don't have that for you today, but, but you can listen for what these sounded like. So why trumpets? What's, what's the sound of a trumpet going around this place? And so I looked. So earliest mention, you put in trumpet in your search in the Bible, and you go back, and the earliest place I saw a trumpet mention um, is Mount Sinai, Exodus 19. Israel has come out of Egypt, out of their slavery. They're before Mount Sinai, and trumpets are being talked about. The people see up on the mountain, or there's thunder, there's lightning, and there's also the sound of... Of a trumpet, the shofar, the ram's horn. They hear this sound, and it's the sound of the Lord. And it says in Exodus uh, nineteen, people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off. We're just again. I'm going to go through a couple other scriptures just to get an idea. What's trumpet? Let's use scripture as its own commentary and try to understand what what trumpets mean as they march around Jericho. Uh, Leviticus twenty three. And Leviticus 25, they're marking different um, festivals and a month of rest. And the trumpets are used to announce these days of holy convocation, these days of getting together, and and to to, uh, mark a month of rest. So maybe they mark a month of rest. The the trumpets mark God speaking. Uh, Numbers chapter 10, they kind of mark, there's a reminder before the Lord and used as a battle alarm. Now, these trumpets in Numbers 10 are these um, hammered work. So I'm sure not exactly what we would think of our modern trumpet, but but a work of a trumpet hammered together, a a metal. Here's what Numbers 10, 9 through 10 says about trumpets in, in this category of this reminding of the people before the Lord and kind of this battle alarm. It says this, When you go to war in your land against the adversary who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets that you may be remembered before the Lord your God and you shall be saved from your enemies. On the day of your gladness also and at your appointed feasts and at the beginning of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. They shall be a reminder of you before your God. I am the Lord your God. So the trumpets, they're part of a battle alarm to sound off in that way, and they're part of being remembered before the Lord. Well, there's other places as well in Scripture. Let me just run through a couple New Testament places just to shed New Testament light um, on the use of trumpets. A couple places, Matthew 24, 31. The angels come with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather the elect of Jesus from the earth. First Corinthians fifteen fifty two, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable. It's it's the sound of victory in the Lord Jesus when that trumpet sounds. First Thessalonians four sixteen, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then, please go here, Revelation, once again, chapter 1. Just head to the the far right of your Bible, to the last book of Revelation. And I want you just to see this. I'll be reading a little more extended portion. And see a voice behind this trumpet. Revelation 1, I'll be reading 9 through 20 here. Give you a chance to get there. There's a voice heard like that of a trumpet. I, I understand Revelation. It's challenging to understand all of it. We talked about that last week, even what I read last week. There's different parts of it that I go, I'm not sure I understand. Seals, what's going on with this? But we know it's to worship the Lamb. And so let's read at least this part, 9 through 20. Listen for trumpet language here. Pergamum, and to Thyatira, to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Verse 12, then I turned to see the voice, remember, like a loud voice, like a trumpet, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. The voice of Christ here, the one who died and who is alive forevermore, is that of a trumpet. And then even further in Revelation, we see trumpets, seven of them, being blown as judgment comes. So, A couple ways to look at the trumpet as we think back to Joshua 6. The trumpet sound can be both a wonderful sound if you've been reconciled with the Lord or the sound of the trumpet can be a terrifying sound if you're on the end of the sound of the trumpet of judgment. Two ways to hear that. I think as Israel marches around Jericho, we have both. There's both the presence of the Lord in the ark, the seven of this and seven of that, and the trumpet sound. This is God with His people. He's given the city to them. He's with them. And yet there's also those sounds as it goes out to say judgment is coming. Hear the trumpet, Jericho. One family would be saved, Rahab. We'll see later on. So God gives His certain victory. He gives His instruction for battle. We're reading about the ark, the seven, the trumpets. And then we come back to this familiar pattern. We've seen it over and over again. Once again, God commands, and then the people follow the commands of God. And that's verses 6 through 9. And it says, so Joshua, the son of Nun, back in Joshua 6, Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city and let the armed men pass on before the ark of the Lord. And, and, and now, here they are. Just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. The sound going on. They follow God's commands to march. Hopefully, as I read that, you get a picture of seeing this journey around Jericho, this front and back, guards, army men, front and rear. Between them, the seven priests blowing seven trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant. They're following God's commands as they march around the city. But then verse 10 kind of interrupts a bit of this pattern going on. And there's this interruption of verse 10. With some instruction by Joshua, and I think it's really insightful for this stage of the battle. At verse 10, let me read it. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your m- mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then, then you shall shout. This is not a battle that needs war cries. Israel would not intimidate Jericho with words, would they? All it needs is the reminder of the trumpets and the ark before them. This is about the Lord. This is what He's doing for the glory of His name. This is not for man's glory, but God's. They just, Israel just needed to obey, to march, to sound the trumpet while they kept their voices silent. For the Lord was to fight the battle. David's words from 1 Samuel 17, I think they're fitting. You think of David fighting with Goliath. David before Goliath, that giant only having a sling and five stones. Here's what he said to the giant, 1 Samuel 17. He said, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. and he will give you into our hand. The shouting for Israel here going around Jericho, it's going to happen, but it's six days away. There's a time for that. There's a time for a shout. It's not this time, Joshua says. Not now. No words. Don't even let a word. You're just going quietly. All that's going is the presence of God, and we're hearing the shofar. We're hearing the trumpets blow as you go around this walled city. Verses 11 then through 14, I won't read them again, but they really just tell them. They continue on this daily march. Kind of the same thing again. They march around Jericho. Seven priests, seven trumpets, continual blowing of the trumpet. It's what they do for six days. Every night, come back to the camp and lodge there. And that's where verse 14 ends. They did. They came back, they returned to the camp. They did this for six days. Next week, we're going to pick up on verse 15 just as we kind of look back on this then i have just three words application exhortation to us as we just think back on this setting and this narrative at least up to up to this point that we've seen so far number 1 is god's certainty of victory leads to his instruction and i think it's in that order his certain victory leads to instruction I think there's bearing on our lives try to explain. The battle is the Lord's. The outcome is the Lord's. And the certainty of victory is the Lord's. And yet our biggest battle, I think, for us, 2019, it's not the Jerichos or even our own enemies. It's closer than that. There's an opposition that Paul talks about in Galatians between the flesh and the spirit and these two waging Desires of the flesh and what God would have me do in my flesh. But here's the victory. Here's the victory statement that informs the instruction. What has God, what's the victory that informs our doing, our His commands? The victory is that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you've put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have certain victory. Certain victory over the sin which easily entangles us. It's not a self-made, try-harder victory, march a couple more times. There's a, I think there's a quiet victory in which Jesus Christ did the dying. He did the suffering in our place. First Corinthians talks about death being swallowed up in victory. It says this, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God's certainty of victory in our lives over our sin leads to his instruction. If we we read his commands and instruction without remembering what he's already done for us in Christ, we are very depressed and very despondent over that news because we cannot do it. But in Christ, we have victory through Jesus Christ. Like we said, the sound of the trumpet goes both ways. To those that don't have Christ, you enjoy your sin, you say, one day I'll follow. You should fear the sound of a trumpet. When you hear trumpet, that should be a a fearful sound of judgment. But for those in Christ, we can hear the sound of the trumpet and take heart, for we know the voice of the One. We know the voice of the Shepherd. He's Jesus. And we're, when we're confronted by our own sin, it's his voice of discipline drawing us back again to him. Number two, like Joshua, follow the commands of God. There is a following, there is a, a doing. Seven of this, seven of that, go this many times, be quiet here, all those sorts of things. Do it, blow a trumpet. Okay, God says to blow the trumpet. Let me translate that for our day. Forgive? Uh, Yes, when it hurts. Flee from sexual immorality? That's what God's calling us to do. Show kindness? Yes. Obey your leaders? Yes. Keep away from idolatry? You get the idea. March seven times? Follow God's commands because we have a victory in Christ. And then number three, The people march quietly while God goes before them. I think it's a beautiful picture of this. We know there's trumpets blowing, but there's just a quietness. They're not speaking. They're just silent, watching God and just listening to his power of the trumpet as they go around. So march in quiet rest, for your God is a great God of mercy, love, and care. There are times to shout make a noise but there's times to simply listen to the sound to close our mouth and wait on the Lord it's his battle anyway and we can wait for him we don't have a closing song today but we have a closing psalm today so I want you to turn to Psalm 94 and we're going to read the psalm um, I'll read it to you we're gonna have to read it together but we're going to close with this this song, Psalm 94, as we think about our great God and his victory and his power. If you're there, why don't we stand together? Just grab your word, grab your sword, the word of God with you, and let me just read Psalm 94 to you. It says, O Lord, God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth! Rise up, O Judge of the earth, repay to the proud what they deserve. O Lord, how long shall the wicked? How long shall the wicked exalt? They pour out their arrogant words. All the evil doers boast. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They kill the widow and the sojourner, and murder the fatherless. And they say, The Lord does not see. The God of Jacob does not perceive. Understand, O dullest of the people. Fools, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nations, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are but a breath. Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord. And whom you teach out of your law to give him rest from days of trouble until a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage for justice will return to the righteous and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who rises up for me against the wicked? Who stands up for me against evildoers? If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Can wicked rulers be allied with you, those who frame injustice by statute? They band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge, He will bring back on them their iniquity and wipe them out for their wickedness. The Lord our God will wipe them out. Let me pray for us. Father, we come to the God, the Lord of hosts, the commander of the Lord's army, whose voice is like a trumpet of judgment to those enjoying their sin. And I pray that would be none of us here in this room. And Lord, where there is sin in our lives that we are enjoying and we have yet to give up and say, I'll I'll do that one day. Oh Lord, convict and discipline us by your love. Lord, where we need encouragement, where we've been marching around different walls and battles, may we march in a quiet hope, listening to the trumpet, the voice of our great shepherd who says, I'll never leave you forsake you. You are a good God, and you have made a way for us to be right with you through Christ. I pray we would celebrate the gospel in our lives this week, casting our cares on you because you care for us, your children. Thank you, Lord, for your love.